Welcome to Inside the Firm. I'm your host, Alex Gore. I'm here with our other host, Lance Psycho. We are here to talk about how to start, run, and grow a business. Uh, we run an architecture firm. We're developers, and we run some online business. So we're here to give you an inside look into our firm. Lance, kick us off. What are we talking about? Extreme ownership. Hey, where does that come from? Mr. Jocko, Jocko, the Jocko podcast. So everyone at the firm has been making fun of me because I love Jocko podcast and Jocko Willink. And I, so we have a Spotify going and I've even put him on our Spotify. So there's a whole bunch of songs and then Jocko will pop on and just scare everyone. Uh, he, he's a former Navy SEAL, wrote the book Extreme Ownership, which I think is what you're going to talk about. That's exactly. the name of And so have you read the book? That's what I was wondering. Chapter I'm two. I'm on chapter two. Oh, okay. So you did, you bought the book. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, so he has a podcast. I listened to it. It is hundred episodes maybe so far. Is that what 87? Okay. And I went back, I listened to one and then this is the first one I go, I'm starting at zero. So now I'm on episode 33 and it is leadership lessons from him, but he starts by reviewing a book and these books are all about war. So it gets dark quick. It is hard to take. It is emotionally tolling sometimes. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> anyways, <laughs> Al- Alex has his version of like a military guy that he listens to. Yeah. And so that's, that's Jocko as he, as you just mentioned, mine is, mine is a uh, Jason Stapleton, the Jason Stapleton program. Um, and they're similar in their, in both, in both of like their mantras of like self-discipline and then yes. taking ownership of what you do and implementing that in your life and how discipline equals freedom. Right. Yes. I have that shirt. Took that, <laughs> took that in it. That's from Jocko, right? Yep. Exactly. Uh, so the reason why I bring up that is, yes, we've been giving Alex crap, but it is, it is a good podcast and, and this, it's obviously a popular one too. And there's something to be said about taking extreme ownership. So I have two stories to tell. One story is, um, of my son and him taking extreme ownership. Uh, so my son, uh, Alex, Alex knows him. We actually call Al, uncle Al. Uh, my stepkids even asked, I was like, is Al really your brother? I'm like, no, we just, just call him uncle Al. Yeah. It's just his name. Yep. So, uh, but he's, he's, you know, my, 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 my oldest biological son has basically grown up with, with Al sort of being, you know, an uncle slash like kind of a father figure. Right. And so Alex would attest to that. My son has this, he'll start telling a story and it just gets out of control. And to the point where like he, he, you know, him, him turning into an adolescent person, there's been like a tipping point of, okay, what is truth or what is, what is a story versus like, what is truth? Right. And yep. so for the last year, one thing I've been trying to get across to him is that <clears throat> it's better for you to just tell the truth if you screw up, because we all know, like if you're if you're an adult who is reasonable and you understand that humans are um, not infallible and they make mistakes, you want to hear the truth. You want to hear even if somebody screwed up and everything, just to take ownership of it. And then, and in that way, I think it's, it's harder for you to, then all of a sudden you trust them and then you, you see somebody take, literally take ownership of the problem and what they, what the, what they, what they've caused or not. So, yeah. and, and just to go in on that, because I, I used to live a, um, in the same apartment complex as Lance. So Kyler would come up all the time and, uh, you can tell with a kid when they're fibbing because you're an adult. So you know that there wasn't ghosts and aliens at the school and you didn't shoot them down with a laser, right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, remember one of the apartment buildings was haunted. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, or one of, the, one of the apartments in the apartment building. And, and what I think this, uh, what he's now come to understand through Lance teaching him and, and um, is that everyone has a BS detector. So with kids, it's obviously easy, right? But even you as an adult, what you should know is Lance has a BS detector on me. I have a BS detector on him. 
and and every, on contractors, everyone that comes in, if you think that you're pulling something, you are probably not pulling it whatsoever. Yeah. We are sophisticated. Not me and you. I mean, people in general people. are sophisticated BS detectors. Yeah. Yeah. So, so last year, and and this is this is the point of the the part Kyler part of the story was Kyler brought a knife, two knives to school, and the little capitalist in him that he gets from his dad. He wanted to. He was literally just going to sell the knives to a kid, and he tried to because he wanted to make extra money. No problem with that. And so, and so, he he gave the the knives to the kid. The knives to the kid. The kid went home, and then he brought them back to school, and then was showing them off the next day. Well, the kid, the teacher, obviously, you know, it's a huge red flag. Everybody understands the kind of society we live in today. So they both, uh, the kid who brought the knives back into school, got pulled into the uh, principal's office, and then Kyler. Uh, you know, the other kid said, oh yeah, Kyler gave him to me. Kyler brought him in and or then Kyler got pulled in and instantly Kyler didn't try to lie or anything like that. And it was one of the first times where he's kind of just like, there's no fit. He it. just took complete ownership. So then I went in, you know, later on and uh, his mother and I went in and had a meeting with the principal and the principal, first thing he says is, I just want to commend you guys. I don't know what you guys are getting through to his head, but for him, for Kyler to just instantly fess up and cut it, just do it cut and dry and just say, yep, I brought him in. I wanted to sell him. That was my intent. Yep. He's like, it cleared the air immediately. And then for me as a parent. Because you're going to find out anyways. Eventually the lie is going to unravel. Like you can't hide behind these things your whole life. Yep. You and, know? And, and that's true with, I think, the business example that you're going to get to. Exactly. Is the truth is going to come out. It's no matter just how what, hard it was and how emotionally tolling and taxing and stressful it is. Is it worth it? You know, is it worth it? It's not. I don't think it is. So even though you think you're going to avoid something. So then for me to punish Kyler, was I angry? Yep. But man, just because I was, I was more proud of him just owning the problem and saying it, he was grounded for a week and it was enough of him to be, to be suspended from school for a whole week. You know, that, that was kind of like, okay, well he got his suspension from school. He got embarrassed. But the bigger lesson was finally it got through to me and him, especially him. Take ownership of what the heck, what the heck you're doing. So, that's that's sort of my personal story. And then the professional one is, I mentioned this in the last podcast two weeks ago, by the way, since I just got back to everything, is a foundation on one of our custom houses got poured eight inches, eight inch difference, right? And at first, it, at first it wasn't a big deal in the, in the sense that I, you know, the client. We didn't exactly, everything was sort of me just trying to get out for vacation and stuff. But over the past two weeks, it's completely unraveled itself. And there's been a lot of finger pointing. And the finger pointing is coming from the contractor not wanting to just fess up, hey, my subcontractor screwed up. They read the drawings wrong. And so I get a phantom, I get a kind of a frantic call from the client. And I've never had this call before, wanting them to, hey, I need you to, I need you to back me up. I need you to be on my side because. Go, they go, look, we've read the drawings. We can see what the height is called out, and they won't take ownership of it. So what it's resulted in is the client has completely lost trust in the contractor. When in the end, you know, I have this client coming back and telling me, if they would have just told the truth and owned up to the, problem, the, the mistake they made from the beginning, there would have been any trust lost. And all of a sudden, it's kind of gotten to this breaking point. Yep. And I think they could have done it in the way of saying, hey, we messed up. Here's why. Um, and it's not an excuse, but I think people understand, especially if you show them the drawings and, the real, and, and then what's happening in the real world. This is a very – houses, especially these 
These Customs. are large, large houses. They're very sophisticated. Like the client would be like, man, I could see that. that looks difficult. In, like, my that's- opi- in my opinion, they're more custom homes are like more sophisticated than some small commercial easy prefab build. Yes. I mean, and I think I've actually talked to other architects that that agree. Um, it, it there's everything has its nuances. Yep. So my lesson is just to reiterate once once again. I think whether you're an architect, even if you're an owner or or a contractor or anybody who's running a business, just own up to it. As soon as you can identify if it is your mistake, your problem, I think you own up to it. You apologize and you say, here's how we're going to fix it. And then you run head on towards the solution. Yeah. Can't stress that part enough. I think that's great. I think that's great. Okay. Um, the, the next thing I have going on to that is, remember when we were talking about me and you, we've always been thinking about expanding. You know, if, you're, if you have a firm, you think about growing. And we go, okay, maybe in a couple of years, this person or this person might be promoted to a leadership position. And we might have to offer them this or this. And, and we started thinking in the future. Well, that got my brain ticking. And, I, and, and I, that night I was like, holy cow, okay, if we are going to promote someone, it would be great to set up expectations. So just like when, when these guys came into the firms, we sat them all down. This is F9's philosophy. This is F9's resources. This is how we do stuff. So I thought, man, if, if, if they're going to be instant, not instantly promoted, wouldn't it be great then to sit them down and then say the same thing? Now in your new role, this is what you have to do. So I started writing that down. And then a couple of days ago, I started listening to Jocko. <laughs> <laughs> Number, it, it, it's the episode called Boots. I don't know if it's 33 or 34 or 38 or whatever. And it goes back to kids. So he said he took his kids on a um, ruck march. And oh, a ruck march. Yeah. And Jocko go. he has a, a Everybody, Tell people who don't know what that is. What, what is a ruck march? It's, it's a hike. Yep. But you put on a rucksack. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Put on a rucksack. So in, in the army, they call it ruck march. It's because you're going from point to point. But in the civilian world, it's, it's a hike. So in reality, he took his kids on a hike. But he, but call, he called it yeah. a ruck <laughs> And he doesn't call it a camp. He calls is it a... Is he called a, dinner chow? Yeah. It, well, chow. And, and, and they don't set up camp. They have layup points. Okay. So, oh and he God. won't let his kids call it a camp. <laughs> and he goes, when I was doing this with my kids, it was, I, I, it just hit me. It just hit me. These fundamental leadership principles that I do that I don't even realize that I do. And it goes back with you with the kid's story. And what he said is, uh, every time you have a ruck march, you, you sit down your team and you say, because there's a couple ways to do ruck marches. One is like, as the bird flies. So um, it's called direct line. So you basically have a point and you just, you just go there. No but matter, the, yeah. the problem is you're going through streams. You're, yeah. like, it's just shitty, right? So what you really do is you do a map study. You figure out where you're going to go. And you sit everyone down and you go, okay, once we get to the stream, we're going to take a left. Once we get to that hill, we're going to take a right. We're going to see an opening. We're going to go here. Everyone knows, right? And he goes, because the opposite, and this has happened to me, we, night, night marches, right? And this is more basic training when you have a bunch of people. We're going somewhere, right? I, stopping point, right? Hand, fist up, everyone relays it, everyone gets down. One, I don't know if we're stopping because like, oh, there's the hill. They're probably looking at the map. We're going to take a right. Or are we getting attacked? Like, Are the, are Viet, <laughs> are the Viet Cong around us? Is someone like, should I be prepared for an attack? You know, like what is going on here? And then also, are we one mile away from our destination? Are we 10 miles away? I, I would have no idea. Like, so you can see how that's kind of would be crazy. So when I wrote this down and my idea that I'm proposing to you, this whole inside the firm, letting everyone know is like, should we sit everyone down and let them know what we expect for you to become a leader in this firm so that they can then say like, oh, if I do these things, if I have this map in my head, that's what's going to lead to progression. 
So this is my list of, of things that you need to be that. I literally just at my computer just jotted down and it will be adapted and updated. Okay. Right? <clears throat> so um, first thing, and this goes for everyone. Everyone who's at our firm is trying to do this. You have to master the fundamentals, right? So uh, point one and point two, competency and then communication. So whatever, if you're doing a townhome, you have to be competent. If you're doing a, a custom home and they're different, you have to be competent. If you're doing whatever, you know, in our firm, people have different tasks, right? Mm-hmm, so if mm-hmm, you want to mm-hmm. be a leader in that task, you need to be competent just because, um, let's say you get promoted and all of a sudden we're doing assisted living, but you've been doing townhomes. That doesn't mean that you're going to be the leader in assisted living. Right. And then communication we talked about is always key, right? You have to be able to respond to clients. You need to be, um, you need to respond completely thoroughly. You need to, you know, be able to see the future, all that stuff. Okay. Second thing is leading. Uh, you need to have high expectations and high standards, right? And this is going to lead into, if if we have time, we want to, I want to talk about my employee review, um, and how we're kind of building up to this, uh, high expectations and standards, meaning like things have to come out perfect. Like when you're reviewing in Redline, you need to realize like that we can't have eight inches missed on a foundation, right? Positive attitude, because I think a negative is just going to spiral everyone mm-hmm, down. Mm-hmm. And then purpose. And I mean purpose in, in two different ways. So my purpose here, and you have the same purpose. You talked about it. I don't know if we have a formal philosophy, but it's useful architecture that that's also beautiful. Yes. Right? So everything from, think about the tiny houses where there's useful and purposes to just a really good laid out floor plan that people can navigate to all that, that turns out to be beautiful. But I think me and you are, we think, okay, what's the useful thing first? And we have enough skills to make it beautiful. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I don't think we start from beauty first at all. I mean, I think think a graceful floor plan always helps, right? I mean, if you have a good set of bones, you can add the cake decoration and stuff like that. It just, it just, it just permeates through. But then I think too, if we do start with beauty, because I can see that happening, I think our filter then is which parts of this are useful or not. And that will dictate what happens. Yeah. So I think you can st- start in the opposite too, because that's how the commercial building that we all designed uh, while, while I, you well, I think, I think, yeah, exactly. I think our development project, we actually started in the beauty direction. There you go. So I, I take back what I said. And then, you know, I sort of, you know, I've had it for the last two weeks and I've been working on it and I've been shaking out the found, the structural parts of it and stuff like that. And there have been, it's sort of now, you know, architecture needs to catch up with the structure and the function and yeah. all of that stuff. But if you start with beauty first, I don't think it works if you don't have in your philosophy useful also. True. Because you just go willy nilly, right? Um, and then my other thing for me, and I know it is for you too, one of my purpose is just providing for my kids and family. Mm-hmm. Like that is huge for both of us because we both went through the recession and we both knew what lean times really were. So there needs to be that fire under you. That's, you know, that's pushing you to have high expectations and positive attitudes and all that. Then I went to the next headline is delegation because I think this is key. I think you're the best at it. I think I'm the second best, right? So when you're giving something, because if you're going to be a leader, you might have people under you. That's why you're getting a raise. No, no. If you are a leader, you're going to have people underneath you. If not under with you, but they're going to be on your little team. Team. Exactly. Um, One, whenever you're delegating something, you need to set expectations. And that means you need to outline what's going to happen, redline it. If it's possible, give them examples. You know, like here's an example to pull from and then walk them through the redlines. Talk it every time you need to do that right? Um, and then 
the second thing is before anything goes out the door, you need to review it. You need to review it. You need to review it. No matter it. how much you want to get out the door, no matter how much the client is pressing you, where are my yep. drawings, where are my drawings, where are my drawings? Yep. Just take two minutes. Two and, minutes. Yeah. So, because the littlest thing, if you, I swear to, I swear to God, the, lately the littlest thing, if we miss the littlest thing on drawings, it just explodes. Yeah. Be, uh, people, I don't know, I don't know, they just, I don't know if they expect perfection or if we relay to them that we're going to be perfect. But man, you miss one little thing and it's important to them. It could, you know, it could end up in the phone call like I got the other day. You know, maybe you've lost interest in this project. No, no, settle down. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and then two, I think that's one level of, and that leadership. Um, and then here's the second level is initiating growth in the firm, right? So that might be another tier or that might actually be like a partner level. Well, that, I think that's, yeah, exactly. That's, we're talking junior partner yep. slash partner. And what I would tell them about that is that, okay, now this goes to selling and then billing and finances. So selling, and we've already talked about this, so I'll go over it extremely fast. Engage a system, set up a system. Are you managing hows, Angie's list, emails? website how are you getting it personal are you going to you know meetings um are you calling uh maybe we're going into commercial and you're calling all the school superintendents yep you need a system right um respond quickly and then create a template okay what are your responses um, um you have a meeting template you have a proposal template all that stuff set up and then two is y- then you're in charge of billing too so that's a, that's you're the, in charge. You're in charge of the budget that you're setting. Cause I can, it's going to hold your feet to the fire. Absolutely. Yep, yeah. Yep. But, but you know, I would, I think that point should really be in both sections, right? Yeah. It's a, I get the, I get bringing in work and being a partner, but I still think if you're, look, if you're going to be in a leadership role in our firm, then we need you, we need you. Cause if you're del- if you, if you're managing resources, AKA other people and billable hours, it should yes. be, it should be on both. That's really the only thing I would change up to this point. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, because someone might ask, okay, how long should this task take? Because you don't want to go down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think sometime we should lay that out. This is fantastic. This is a great start. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was actually telling my wife uh, about this sort of part of like, I'm really interested to see to hear the feedback from people it you know once we get somebody once we get somebody in that role we're like okay you're at, you're actually a project manager in other words you know because you're you're you have an intern or two or designer working on your team and really at the end of the day we aren't touching it except for maybe one que- one or two questions a week maybe we're yep. meeting maybe we're meeting with that project manager for like 10 minutes something very small yep. right i'm interested to see what their feedback is to us once they see numbers of like, oh, you know, does it make them think like, okay, do you need, do you need more money? Do you, are you satisfied with the, with the compensation you're getting? Should we be increasing fees? Because you and I have had these numbers up right up to our nose for how many years, right? And yes, we recognize when like on some projects we're like, man, we could add it, we should add a 10% onto that contract yeah. to make it work, right? And like with a master suite edition, well, I've kind of got my number down. I know what it takes to do. We don't really lose any money on them anymore. Yeah. But I'm, in, well, I'm interested to see once somebody else is in a management role, what their feedback is on those two fronts and how, and, and then how do you and I adapt and morph based on that to keep everybody happy, healthy, doing what they want to do, you know, fired up. And you know, I don't want it to, cause aren't you worried a little bit about like, okay, does it turn them off? Like, does they, do they see that and go like, well, why am I, why am I doing this? Like, where's all the, where's all the money going and where's it not oh. going? You know what I mean? Like you're just, you're just, Bearing the, you're peeling back the onion. I think it goes back to, uh, um, 
basically a conversation I had with a, a person that works for a developer and the developer was setting up high expectations for these other people and basically saying like, why aren't you killing yourself? Why aren't you managing all this? Why aren't you have your head wrapped around these four or five things? And he said, well, he didn't tell the bosses, but because we aren't getting the financial reward that you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if we're working 60, 80 hours and doing all this and getting stress and craziness, um, but getting paid the same. So I think even though that what I just said should be laid out, there should be a monetary increase, right? In that meaning our roles might only be for your first year. We might just be getting the work mm-hmm. and then sitting in on the first three meetings. Yes. And we're gone. And then we're gone. Right. And then that ups your pay. And then when you're bringing in the work, then you're at that junior partner level. Um, and we might, you know, be there obviously in the beginning, the first couple of times, but, but you're getting a share of the pie because I don't think there's, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Giving that share of the pie. What I'm getting, all I'm saying is yeah, thinking ahead, projecting ahead, like, Hmm, that's going to be interesting. And I want, I want that kind of feedback so that maybe that'd be yeah. one other thing I would include is like, look, we're going to, you're going to see the books and how they work now more yeah. than you have before. And it's not like people don't have access to, um, to see like how you know how much total contracts are for and they hear numbers thrown out in the in the in the but they're they're not billing they're not seeing other expenses and yeah. stuff like that so maybe that maybe that's even another additional thing it's like okay then you need to be aware of like expenses and maybe it's another incentive like i was telling you which is a surprise to you like oh alex is hopefully soon to be licensed our insurance is going to go down so yeah. so do you see how like it's a benefit not only for you yourself you know project manager to get licensed but like it's a benefit to the firm we recognize that we're not blind yep yeah, no, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about to- total open book. I don't know how I feel about that. There's a firm in Boulder that I interviewed with that once that did total open books, and I don't know. What's it, weird is that I think the first step would just be, uh, here's our billable rate, and here's our multiple. Like every person has a multiple, and this is industry standard. And it's hard to, you know, your multiple is three, three times. So if you're, and actually, firms have bigger multiples than us. Um, because if you're paying someone $20 an hour, that should be 60. You know, we bill at 65. A lot of people bill minimum at 75, 85, 95, and they only pay $20 an hour. Yeah. Um, so the multiple, it, it's crazy because then they'll learn in a management role. Oh, this preparing the bill, that was all non, non-billable. Mm-hmm. You know, all this other non-billable, all the, all this equipment, all this insurance, everything just adds up so fast. Quickly. And, and, and that's hard because if they just see the the three times and think like, what's going on here, man. I got a question for you. This is on the fly. Yep. So you took your, you took your fourth, uh, second to last architecture test yesterday. Yeah. You're going to take one more tomorrow, right? Yep. And then hopefully you're done. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, it's, it, it's a 50% pass rate <laughs> <laughs> and multiple people on the forums have failed multiple times. Yeah. Because it's the new version. It's uh, ARE 5.0, right? Yeah. 5.0. So, um, I know that's taken a lot of your time, oh, right? Yeah. Right. That's kind of your weekends now for a, yep. for a big part of it. Yep. Uh, like even, you know, today, I think you're studying a little bit. Yesterday was kind of Not like, today, but yesterday, tomorrow morning, I'll tomorrow study. Tomorrow you'll be studying, right? Yeah. And, I, and I remember what I was like. I did the yeah. same stuff. A weekend, yep. every single morning before I got up. Exactly. All that kind of stuff. Same thing applies for like when I took the contractor's test. I mean, it was, it was delegating all the work and then studying that, reading through that whole stupid IBC book, right? Yeah. So... Um, where I want to be, and I want to know where you want to be, is where do you think we should be at billable rate, at billable percentage wise, fifty percent? That's where I want to get back to. 
is yeah. I think I think we should be half the time we got to be billable. I think half the time is a good number. I've heard for principals, it's from fifty to twenty-five percent. Yeah, that seems that seems reasonable. Twenty-five yeah. to fifty. That way, that's why your billable rate's higher. Yeah, and it has. It's just you. You know, man. But do you, a, do you think you'll be there after that? Like oh, back, after. like back to like. Oh, it's Sunday morning. I'm sitting here, or Saturday morning. I'm watching. I'm watching football, and then yeah. I'm, you know, doing d- work. Doing work, just kind of getting ahead for the week. And that another thing for me is like been landscaping the hell out of this yard, getting ready for this, this freaking wedding. Yeah, I've moved All twice. Of, you, yeah, you've moved twice. Uh, that was a whole thing, right? You had to get the house ready. You had to get the new house ready. Yep. Right. I feel like. I'm back to the place where I can be. My weekends are back, and my Sunday morning or Saturday morning can be okay. I'm getting ahead of everybody, getting everything set up for the week. Yeah, getting my emails all set up through Yesware. By the way, I, I totally recommend that piece of software because I don't know if you noticed, like, because you send in. It'd the be future. like twelve in the morning. It'd be like twelve in a row right away because I was eight hours ahead of you guys. Yeah, so I would be a day ahead of you guys, and then I would just delegate like twelve to twenty-four emails out to everybody I needed to, and they'd all send at like eight a.m. Yeah. Awesome, awesome piece of software. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I, I honestly hope that's where it'll be. And then, it, I don't know. It just, I really want these to be over, but <laughs> I also don't. And I have this weird feeling. What? I have this weird feeling. Um, but this is why I was sad because, and I, and I figured, I was like, why am I sad? Because I'm, lo- because I get, I get the questions. I get where they're going. I get, you know, kind of, I get the system for the solution and I'm getting good at it. And they say, um, why do some people like to perform in front of crowds and some don't. And the main factor is if you're good at it or not, if you're good at it, you want to play tennis in front of Wimbledon Mm -hmm. because you want to show off. Mm -hmm. If you're bad at it, you don't want to play in front of people. Yeah. Show that you're bad. So I'm getting good at this. So I'm like, "Ah, I kind of want to do more. (laughs) (laughs) i did not have that feeling whatsoever yeah god i got ulcers just so everybody knows i think around my fifth test i started to get ulcers but but, and the main reason was because like i'm just a control freak so for me to like have to agonize for three or four days until i found out the test you know about the the answers and just having so little control over the process my my eyes destroyed me oops my eyes are going my because going what like just shot because it's so much because it's in the morning you know, I get here at about six, study till work, and then at night, and then also at night, like I have a baby, and the baby gets up, and so, like anytime I can look out a window or readjust my eyes or whatever, I, my eyes are going just because of all. You see this. how much glass I put in the new office building? Yeah, thank you. A lot. That's for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. No, I think this is an excellent list. I, I want to recap that. I mean, not recap it, but uh, uh, review. revisit it, review it. Yep. I th- because I, I'm convinced by the end of next year, I think we'll be at that point to where, okay, it's time to put somebody for the first time at this firm in a project management position where they have at least one person working with them, maybe two people, something like that. Yep. So that segues into if you don't have, if you're not ready to promote or you have a small firm or something like that, how, how do you groom people? to be competent and to have that communicate, have those fundamental skills. So I did a three month review while you were gone and it was about a week off, but there was things I was noticing then. It's like, we might as well catch this right now. Why wait for six months? Why wait a week for, you know, another one? It was perfect timing. I had everything written out. So I said, Hey, let's go for a walk. Let's talk about this. Right? So, and I think this 
structure or, or just these points can be useful to anyone. Um, because, well, I started off and said, hey, we're doing the formal review. Obviously, it's for the company. But you should know that it's also for you, right? Because whether you stay here or not, what I'm going to tell you today hopefully will improve your life, right? And F9 is no one without everyone here. True. So you getting better is helping that other person out. And I name people at that firm. That other person getting better is helping you out, right? So it's all just about us individual people trying to get better, right? And I said, I'm going to list a couple points, but there's going to be one thing that I want to stick in your head for the next three to nine months, you know, before your one year comes out. And that is all these relate to one concept. And the concept is I want you to be brilliant at the basics. Yes. That's all I want you to do is be brilliant at what the basics. What a fundamental concept that gets yep. overlooked, right? Yep. If you, you got to, it's just like a basketball player, right? I mean, you have to like, if you don't get brilliant at dribbling and not traveling, how are you going to be able to do anything else? How are you going to be able to do anything else? You can't, right? Right. You have to get brilliant at walking. Otherwise, you can't freaking run. But, but back to Jocko podcast. Back to Jocko podcast. He, a ruck march, planning, telling it, looking at the map, telling everyone. That's basic. That's basic. Guess how many people don't outlay the future for their employees? A lot. Us. <laughs> Us. How many people are lost? You know, like lost. Like, oh, I kind of know my job. I know where I'm going, but I can only see a week ahead. Yeah. I can, you know, yeah. you're in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. So my points that I brought up were um, because I thought these were big. Uh, understand the purpose of drawings. So I gave an example. We were going to a meeting. I asked for this drawing gave me that drawing but it didn't have the dimension i want and it didn't have the view i want so i said hey you know for this meeting we are talking about this so if i'm looking for that like that needs to be on the drawing that needs to be in the meeting and this goes in overall to just what is the purpose of what you're doing right what's the purpose for architects of every sheet that you're doing is it showing the elevations is it showing the materials that do you have that information then do you just have because i remember seeing sets no offense, California, from one of these California firms. <laughs> and, and it could be anyone. We just do a lot of work with California because there's some sort of connection. Where You remember seeing the sets where there's 50 sheets? And, and I'm like, what, what is the purpose of this section? There's no information there. There's barely like a height. What, why is this even here? It's literally a rectangle that's showing. It, let's say it's an interior elevation. It's a rectangle showing the wall. Yep. That it's just showing a wall. It, and, and these were sets that were basically complete too. So it made no sense to me, right? So if that's in, I don't even know what, I can't even pretend what other people do in their job. Excel spreadsheets? <laughs> well, my latest one has been site plans. You know, I've been trying to pound this into our guys' heads. It's like, hey, the site plan, the architectural site plan is no good to anybody. It, no good to anybody. If we aren't cutting through the building and we aren't showing what the measurement is from the corner of the, cor the, most, the four outermost corners to the property line so they can figure out where they're going to site it, where they can put their batter boards in, right? Yep, yep. Uh, point two was use examples liberally. So we're doing a big project. We've done one just like it. And there were some things that we were wasting time on not getting them right. And that was my example, but it goes to the bigger uh, purpose of, uh, haven't you heard stand on the shoulders of giants? Mm -hmm. And not that anyone is giant here, but if you have those examples, why... I think in design, you can reinvent the wheel. That's fine. But 90% of your time, you're not reinventing the wheel. Right. right. You're tweaking the wheel. You're adjusting the wheel. Think about uh, artists, too, with songs. 
you know. Uh, How about s- meme makers? Honestly, some of the best memes online that you see that are going viral. And by the way, they're starting to pay people to make these things. I'm not joking. I have an article saying it's your dream. It's hilarious. Is my dream? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's how I'll retire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, if somebody finds one of these images and maybe like, oh, it's kind of funny what they wrote in the text, but like, oh, I could do better. I, I have a better idea than that. Just yeah. take it, reuse it, and then, then it's a hit. Yep. And then a lot of times with songs, you know, there'll be one smash hit. And then if you go back and listen to the CD and it's like, well, four of these were just a shittier version of that one song that they finally nailed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and then the, the third point that, that, that I hit was everything is extremely real. So everything has a consequence to it. And that just goes back to the bigger principle of having higher standards. You can't just draw something. You just can't put in a number. You just can't write a text. You can't, that doesn't have a ramification. To not it. in this profession. Not in this profession. We can get in big trouble. Yep. It's not in accounting. Not so many, like so many, so many, there you go. Yeah. Everything counts. Um, so then I ended, I go, um, I hope you understand that, you know, where those points are coming from and that, Still, your goal from now on is just to be brilliant from the basics. That's the only thing you have to think about. Brilliant from the basics. Agreed with everything. Thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I was teetering on the edge of, should we call this, should we call this uh, extreme ownership for this, for this episode? Yep. Or should we call it now brilliant from the basics? Be brilliant at the basics? Be brilliant at the basics. Yeah. Yeah. Or should we call it Jocko Podcast so people will type that in? (laughs) (laughs) I won't do that to you, Jocko. (laughs) I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, Uh, for sure. I think we're going at the basics. We'll see. All right, cool. That's awesome. Anything else? That's all. That's those were. Uh, Here, I have one last question for you regarding the reviews. So I know we do like uh, we usually do a 90 day review, and we usually do a yearly review. Yep. Do you uh, when what's a what's the trigger for you where you're like? Yeah, I know we're like a week away or even maybe a month away from one of those two and we're just like now's the time. Now's the time. What when when is it when is when when that change in your mind? Well, I think you have to be within a couple of weeks and we basically submitted one thing and we we're moving on to, you know, like a huge submittal. So it was this valley point that I thought fits in right here because now everything that they make new. So if you're within one or two weeks and there's a good stopping point. And, and then gonna, you have an opportunity to address all the things you're talking about on the next pass. Yeah. 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 And then, and then I think that's becoming in tune with your people because w- what if they start out this new project two weeks later, you give them this and then they have an idea like, Oh, brilliant at the basics. I, I could have formatted all my sheets this way and it would have saved all the time, but now I can't go back because it's due in two weeks, you know, yep, all that stuff. So yep. there you go. All right, with that, I would like to, uh, I'm going to introduce uh, our best and worst advice segment. Uh, this week, we have uh, Paul Rugeber, and he is, I'm going to read off exactly who he is uh, for people who don't know. So uh, he is the principal and uh, <clears throat> owner of uh, PDR Designs, and they are, he's a registered architect in New Jersey and in New York and a member of the AIA Institute of Architects, uh, a member of, en- member of NCARB. Paul started his own design build firm while in college. <clears throat> designing and building tree forts slash playhouses for clients. His passion, knowledge, and client base has grown over the years through word-of-mouth referrals, and he believes that his greatest his clients are his greatest assets and are taking care of them through the years. <clears throat> He's also a member of, um, over at the Entree Architect community, uh, so I, I, I know Paul through the Entree Architect community. I've always seen him posting stuff. He's kind of a motivational speaker. 
Um, and he, he has, puts out these really cool videos. He just talks about how to, how to cook things, how to be positive. He's just like a very super positive person. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to say. But he's, he's, part of the, the, he's one of the facilitators for Mark's small-term mastermind group. So if you, if you haven't heard about Paul, honestly, and if you're on Facebook, I would follow him, follow him on Twitter, Instagram, because he always sends out at least one message a day in a video that, it, that, is, that is super good to hear um, and positive. So with that, we're going to uh, hear what he has to say. Hey, Alex and Lance, Paul Rugarber with PDR Designs Architects. I own an architectural firm at the Jersey Shore. Do a lot of residential work, do some commercial work. So you had asked a question, what is the best advice, what is the worst advice that I've received? So the best advice I'm gonna say is not something that I've heard or received myself, but it's something that I've observed. So I had taken a Dale Carnegie course, and then I had gone back, they asked me to come back and do some coaching with them. And what I saw, what I learned there is that People that are more timid are not going to succeed as much as people that are willing to put them out themselves out there and are willing to fail and are willing to try more things. So the best advice that I would give someone would be to be yourself and be what you want to be. Don't be what other people think you should be. Don't be what you're afraid to be because most people are afraid to act the way they want to. They're afraid of what other people think about them how they're gonna judge them. They say, well, I can't do that because what do people think? What if I fail? What if they you know, laugh at my clothes? What if they would laugh at the way I talk? What if they laugh at my designs or my business idea? And so they don't wanna put themselves out there. They don't wanna try something different because of those fears. But those people that are willing to be a little bit more bold, they're willing to be willing to fail and try and put themselves out there in front of others to be made fun of maybe if they fail or to say whatever about them, those people that aren't afraid of that or that can at least mask that fear and do it anyway, those are the people that are much more successful. And when you see someone talking in front of someone else, in front of a group there, and the people that are timid, you know, stand there and their message isn't really heard very well. But those people that are willing to go up there and be bold and say, you know what, to hell with it, I don't care what other people think, I'm gonna try something different, those people everyone loves. So the irony of it is that you're, you're timid because you don't want to be judged, and yet the people that are most successful, the people that do the best, are the ones that go all out and are not afraid of other people judging them, and then they don't get that judgment. What they get is success. What they get is opportunities, and people say, wow, that was great, I love that. I could never do that, though. They could never do it because they hold themselves back because they're afraid. So don't be afraid. Be yourself, be your true self, if you want to be an architect, if you want to do whatever in life, go do it. But give it everything you have. Be passionate about it. Love it. That's the best advice. Worst advice. I used to coach my son's ice hockey team. And I heard two dads talking. And the one guy was saying to the other, when his son grows up, he's hoping that he becomes a bus driver. Because it's a good, stable job and he'll be able to get benefits. I was thinking, holy shit, that advice sucks. Because not that being a bus driver is a bad thing. That's awesome. If you want to be a bus driver, then be a bus driver. But don't do it because that's the greatest aspiration someone has for you. And don't limit someone. Don't say, no, this is the best you can do. This is the best. The, all that you're going to be in your life is a bus driver. You should do things because you want to do it and because that's your ultimate goal. And by striving for better goals, by trying to do anything that you want, you're gonna be much more successful and you're gonna learn things. I mean, we've all failed with a different client presentation technique and it doesn't work. Or a different marketing technique and it doesn't work. 
or different design idea or whatever it is, different business idea, and it doesn't work. So rather than just giving up on it entirely, you tweak it, you make adjustments, and because business goes, you know, circuitous. It doesn't go in a straight line of where you want to go to be successful. So you got to keep trying things and fail at it and adjust and try and fail and adjust and adjust and adjust. That's the way that you're going to become much more successful. So don't ever tell someone that they can't do something or say, hey, play it safe. Just do this because that way you're going to have a stable job. To hell with that. Do whatever it is that you want to do. Try for the moon, you know, and then you never know where you're going to go. But Try your hardest to do anything that you want. Learn from those failures. Don't be afraid to fail. And you're going to be able to be the best of you. You're going to enjoy your life so much more because you're willing to try something different. So the best advice, be yourself. Be bold and go for it. The worst advice, stay safe. Just do this. Only make a couple bucks because, oh, you know you can do this and there's no risk of putting yourself out there. To hell with the risk. Take the risk. Do it. Because in the end, you're going to be much happier that you did. Just make sure you learn from it as you go. Be yourself. Learn from things. Enjoy it. That's the way to have the most success. Hope you guys enjoyed this. And we're back. Al? So I have two reactions. Uh, one, I just watched the first episode of The Defiant Ones on HBO. And it's about Dr. Dre and his... Um, producer even though dr dre is a producer himself jimmy i think it's levine and what was crazy about so jimmy he's rich now he's huge if you watch this just just know that he's huge in the music industry so he was working at it was called like uh the record factory in in new jersey right and he was just doing the the tables where all the buttons are and all that stuff they're called turntables al no but is it is it because it's not records? It's just like adjusting all the sound and all that. A sound table? Mix, mixing board. Mixing board. Yep. Let so me it, say it again in a really, really... Kind of say It's it. a mixing board, Al. And then, uh, so he, he worked, you know, for some great people out there just doing that. And someone in California said, hey, come produce my album, right? Went out there. He said he wasn't ready. He didn't know enough. And they fired him. And he failed, right? And in his perspective... He moved from Jersey to, to California for a big, you know, a big rock star and then failed. So the the circle of shame around him, mm. he thinks is all encompassing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, he, and, he, and then he goes, you know, because they're interviewing one of these older, he's like, don't think anyone cares enough about you to be concerned with what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes back to Jersey and one, like no one knows. They're just like, oh, you went over there and now you came back. Good. Great. Oh, you failed? I don't care. I got my own life to live. This other producer, this other rock star singer is like, okay, I want you to produce mine. And he's like, well, I just went over there and I just failed. And it's, it's just as huge as cloud. And they're like, I don't care. I don't care. I saw you working here. I like what you do. You're going to go do this. And then bam. So your world is so huge and people only perceive little snippets of you. So yes. while you're in that failure, it is your whole circle and everyone else might come in and see a glimpse. Oh, they started a business and then failed. Uh, that sucks. On to whatever they were thinking about. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, bud. Uh, I'm I'm eating dinner now with my wife and kid. <laughs> exactly. It's a snippet. If you yeah. can just get through those snippets that no one cares about, that you. nobody cares about, that nobody cares about, like the one. Gosh, I can't. I can't. I can't say how important that is. One hundred percent. Right? Isn't that freeing? That no one cares about you. Yes. In that way. Yeah. 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 And if they do. Screw them. 
I mean, like, in a certain level, like at the end of the day, if you have, if you've put yourself out there, you're trying to do your best, right? And you know, you're trying to do the best. Like if you can just feel it in your heart and your bones, well then what does it matter? And cause one of the, one of the things I, I, I love that I have to reiterate over and over again, that one of, one of, one of our friends and colleagues that we work with is Robert's Robert Wygan, a Sumax yeah. says is like, uh, those who can't create critique. So like, yeah. so like if you're a creator, if you're a creator, if somebody, if you're somebody out there who's an entrepreneur, a business owner, you're like, you're putting yourselves out there, you're, you're doing something new, even an artist, like yep. you're going to get critiqued by those who, who don't create. And that, that's kind of like the weird, like, you know, symbiotic, symbiotic relationship that there is. Yep. And then, so, uh, if you are getting critiqued from, let's say someone who, who cares, who isn't just there to criticize. So my, my impression is like, what if you failed at something? And then for some reason you're talking to Mark Cuban. It's like, oh, well, you should have done this, this, and this, and this, right? And what you should know about the people that give that good advice, and it's not, one, the people above that critique, because that's what you might be afraid of. You aren't afraid of people below you critiquing. And I don't mean below you, in any, but just like people that aren't doing stuff, just criticizing. They actually want you to succeed. So in, in their head, all they're saying is like, I got some information that can help you. Here you go, here you go. And then now I'm going to go do something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So either way from s- uh, someone that's like way more successful in giving you a critique, don't be afraid of it because honestly, they don't give a shit. They just want to help you out Yep. because they're already successful. Like, oh yeah, if you would have done this, this would have been great. It's not negative coming from them. If it's negative, it's coming from someone who's jealous, someone who's doing something like that. So either way, don't, don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Shrug it off if you can. Yep. <laughs> the Great. second thing, be your true self. And I'll just go back to the defiant ones. Now, D- Dr. Dre, everyone knows him as the artist, Dr. Dre. And he wants to be behind the mixing board. And that's where he learned everything about mixing, everything about turntables, everything about the business and all that. And he'll get up on stage and he'll put himself out there. But he became a billionaire, basically, because he learned all those other stuff, because he understands that his true self, because everyone sees the rapper. And if you haven't watched this, you probably just think like, oh, I got to be the rapper, the one on stage, you know, all that's big one. But, uh, you know, the, the, the big guy. Well, all these rich guys, Jay-Z, P. Diddy, Dr. Dre, they're the ones making the deals. They're the ones bringing the new artists in. They're the ones knowing. So, yes, go on that stage, but also know there's there's a backstage too. Mm-hmm. And that can be your true self, and that's where you can flourish too. You don't have to, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would go one step further. The way I, the way I take Be Yourself is, is I, I really I really take it to heart when, when you know, when Paul said, uh, do, what, do what you want to be. Or don't be what you're afraid to be. I just, like... Because if, if you don't, I, I don't understand, how, you know, you're holding your, you're holding yourself back. So like, if you are a little brash and you are kind of a, kind of a, kind of, kind of an asshole, but at the end of the day, like you mean, well, 90% of you means well, people are going to take that little, like, oh yeah, he's just, he comes off a little edgy, but like at the end of the day, he's, he's a good guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of, a lot of times you hear about like the, these comedians that go up there and like they're shock artists, right? Like Louis C.K. Like Louis C.K. says some crazy stuff on stage. But then you hear all these other comedians that go like, once you meet him, he's he's the nicest guy. Because he gets all that stuff out on stage. And then the, like that's t- 1% of his life. What, what about uh, Redhead? Uh, <laughs> Bill Burr? Yeah. Do they, say, do they say he's the nicest guy ever? <laughs> I don't know, Billy Burr. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he is. <laughs> I'd hang out with him. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, cool. Uh, last segment here is uh, Alex's code questions. Yay! And yay. Uh, as if you've been following us, he is you know one thousand percent like mm-hmm. just just always on to on 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 point with these. Exactly. Yep, getting them right all the time. Um, but before I do that, I, I just have a one little quick shout out to give. 
Um, so we got an email from um, from a, a now listener, uh, which is great. His name is uh, uh, their name is Sloan Springer, and um, they heard us on the Entree, sorry, the Business of Architecture podcast um, over there with Enoch. So <clears throat> got this email and it said, "Hey, re- recently listened to your podcast with Enoch at Business of Architecture on the topic of sales. Many thanks for an insightful episode." It was particularly resonant with me as I am at, in the very early stages of creating my own business and getting more work in the pipeline is priority number one. I noticed you mentioned using a couple sites for lead generation. If I heard correctly, um, would be curious, you know. So then I, I point, I pointed, I pointed, um, I pointed Sloan to our podcast. I think it was episode uh, 20, 20, which is the three V's of internet marketing, and then. Um, and then they replied back, so I just wanted to say thanks for thanks for sending the email in. Uh, and then I asked for to give you know for Sloan to give us a review. So this is just a reminder to everybody: please give us a review if you can. If you're a listener, if you like the podcast, it helps us in the iTunes rankings. You can do um, it right from your iPhone. Yep. Whatever kind of what, whatever kind of uh, review you were going to give us, uh, you know, just add five stars to that. <laughs> Make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to give you zero, but you said add five. Exactly. So. so just add five stars and you're, we're good with that. Okay, yeah. here we go. Code question time. Code now. question. You B. Re- ready to crush it? Yep. B. Yeah, that's his answer. Okay. All right, so we are in Chapter 23 of the International Building Code, and the first question is uh, from Section 23085-3-2, top plates. Okay, so Al, we are Type 5 architecture people all the time, right? Yep. So, uh, top plates. So, you should know this. That's what I'm getting at. Top plates. (laughs) Studs shall be capped with double top plates installed to provide overlapping at corners and at intersections with other partitions. End joints in double top plates shall be offset by at least how many inches? Okay? Uh, So, so so top plates, you're talking about the wood top plate so there's two top plates right yeah yeah i thought the first one is a top plate and the second one is a tie plate yep okay so you need to those splices can't line up right so they need to those splices need to be how far apart okay okay 24 inches that's the okay is that your answer i don't know okay a 24 inches b 36 inches c 48 inches or d 60 inches does it is this um what is the stud spacing 16 inches. Assume 16 inches. Assume 16 inches. Yep. I shouldn't even have gave you that because I'm trying to be ARE-like here. Come on. Uh, was 36 an answer? 36 was a was an answer. I feel like it should be 36. Is and I'm going to say 36. Wrong. Oh, you gave me a smile. I was, I was, I was talking and you gave me this big grin like, well, yeah. That's, that's what ARE. <laughs> doesn't, the, doesn't the computer screen give you a smile when yeah. you answer? <laughs> okay. I was just, the I can't answer. believe You should have saw his face. When I'm, I'm blown bit, away. I'm looking away and I look over and just the biggest grin ever. Just this head nod like, yeah. What I'm blown away with is, so you preach, and so do I, but you, you've kind of been the leader on it, and it's good, is everything in two-foot increments. Yeah, that's what I initially. Is For, it, so it's 48 inches. Oh, it's 48 inches. Yeah. Yeah. The the only reason I thought that that might I thought that would be hard to accomplish. 48 inches or greater? Yeah. No. Is I think it, there's exceptions, right? Well, I mean, well, think of think about, you know, man, if you only have so much wall. Exactly, a 6-foot pop-out. If you you know. Yeah. That might be But if you have a 6-foot pop-out, like you should just be able to get one piece. Then there you go, that problem solved. You just do you know, like your plates are the same length or something. I don't know. You tie them on the corners. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's good because it's easier to remember. Know that. Know that when we're framing the duplex, okay? Yeah. I mean, the 
development project. Yeah. All right. So Al, once again, continuing the streak. On to the next uh, question. Here's a question. <laughs> I really want to look at that. I wonder if the code officials look at that. Because no, like, have you ever looked at that out in the field? When I when I have framed myself, yes. But as a as a architect out there just like looking, yeah. no. I'm yeah. usually looking for bigger stuff than that. Like, did you guys miss a freaking column? Did you guys pour the foundation eight inches too short? <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> Next question. Twenty three oh eight dot dot five dot nine. And and just to let everyone know, um, the I think these code questions are great just because it's knowledge. Um, but the ARE is moving away from these little isolated things that you can look up to these bigger complex questions that take which we've kind of both agreed yeah that's reflecting practice because yeah. you are making assumptions every time you're doing a tenant finish you got to go into this existing building or, or who knows any other kind of building where yeah. you're doing an addition that's commercial you're going to make some assumptions about what kind of construction yeah. it is what, what what is also weird too is that um i know in none of our drawings unless in our general notes do you think that's in our general notes yes it is in our general notes maybe yeah. I think it's I think it's in our structural general notes, but I'm not I'm not sure if it's in our architectural general. Notes. Okay, because we hear from contractors sometimes like it wasn't on the drawings. Like you can't draw what you want me to draw out the studs and then draw a little graph that says 48 inches. You know what I mean? <laughs> drawings are always a problem. Yeah. Right. Okay. Twenty three oh eight dot five dot nine. Cutting and notching in exterior walls and bearing partitions. Any wood stud is permitted to be notched. To a depth not exceeding what Third. percent of its width? Third. Okay, that's your that's your that's your answer right off the bat. Yep. All right. Well, I'm gonna read them just for the listeners. A ten percent. B twenty five percent. C thirty three percent. And oh, okay, D good. and D fifty percent. So Alex's answer is still C thirty three percent. Wrong. It's twenty five percent. That's even. So okay. I'm gonna put. So I'm gonna put this into just like. Let's say you're out there with a the tape, okay? Yeah. Let's say it's a two by six wall. A roof raptor. When you do the bird's mouth, you can do a third. Yeah, but we're talking studs. Yeah. So if this is a two by six, right? Then the width is one point five inches. So times twenty five percent, three eighths of an inch. So you can't notch more than three eighths of an inch. So I, w- I that's the way I would think about it, because like I don't know what other studs are that thick. They're a four by four. There you go. Maybe that was a different or six six by six in yeah. a wall. Twenty five percent. Nice. Twenty-five <clears> percent. <throat> okay, last one. Twenty-three oh eight dot five dot ten board holes. should make. I think we should look at our our notes and if the framing section. Put those two little suckers in there. I, I mean, there's and then because because then also these are some of the best ones. Like these are some of the most just right to the point codes that I found in the they wood section. They said notch or what or a hole because isn't there like well, a no 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 holes are so they said notch for the last question. Yeah. Now we're onto the holes. Okay. How much you could, how big you could drill into a... Because doesn't a hole have to be like a third away? It has to be. So like, let's say you're doing a joist, like a floor joist, right? No, stick to walls. Oh. So you're drilling through the, stu- the you know, the vertical stud and you put a hole in the center for electrical. Mm-hmm. I've seen it where they do it too close. Yes. Basically. Yes. Um, so I don't know the code, but you know, a, a third is... Middle third head. is a pretty good rule of thumb. Exactly. So... Um, in our drawings, if, if any of these are being broken, like they should be clear because if they do that and then, and then try to pull some crap on us or whatever, we'd be like, Nope, it says right here. It should be in the middle of third. True. Okay. Last one. Board holes, a hole, not greater in diameter of what percent of the stud width is to be permitted to be bored in any wood stud. So it's again, third. 
Okay, one third. That's what he says. <laughs> A, 20%. B, 30%. C, 40%. D, 50%. Wait, what are my options? 20? A, 20%. B, 30%. C, 40%. D, 50%. This is for vertical, right? Yep, for studs. Yep. So what is the biggest diameter percentage of the width of the stud? 20%. Incorrect. 40%. 40%? That's 40%. a lot. 40%. That is a lot. Yeah, so what would that be? What would that be quickly? Let me figure that out quickly, what that would be, just so everybody knows. On a 2x6 wall, 1.5 times 0. 0.4, uh, 0. 0.6 inches, so like 9 sixteenths, something like that, right? And there you have it. Uh, last thing I have, and then, uh, you know, you wrap it up for us. Uh, bestie, Nick Renard, we're sorry. Uh, uh, we're not on to, on the ball with, with the readings, um, but Al... Alice promised me I'm supposed to <laughs> open up, find all my books that are in storage, take some on vacation with me, underline them and send them to you. Yep. Um, so other than that, thank you for listening. We appreciate the engagement. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys that are striving to make something better, not just for yourself, for who you're working for, uh, who you're working with, your employees, your colleagues, uh, and your family. Uh, thanks a lot. We'll see you next time. See you.